sharks and education have in common? That would be tonight's keynote speaker. More than 10 years ago, he set a course to become the voice of the world's ocean, to bring the seas into people's homes, creating awareness and appreciation for marine environments on a global scale. Through O-Search, he not only became that voice, but generated a way to advance STEM education through a dynamic shark-based curriculum. Tonight's speaker has led 19 global expeditions to advance science and education while unlocking the many mysteries surrounding the life history of white sharks and other giants of the sea. He has facilitated millions of dollars in collaborative ocean research, supporting the work of more than 70 scientists from more than 35 international and regional institutions. From 2002 to 2009, he hosted the Emmy Award-winning Offshore Adventures, America's most watched outdoor TV show of its kind, capturing life at sea while fishing, free diving, and promoting conservation. The National Geographic Channel, History, The New York Times, CNN, Time Kids, and virtually every major news media organization in more than 180 countries have chronicled him in four TV series and more than 7,500 media stories. He has worked on conservation policies with presidents of both foreign and the U.S. He was inducted into the prestigious Explorers Club in 2009 and is among the world leaders for a number of flagged expeditions. Please welcome the founding chairman and expedition leader of OSEARCH, Mr. Chris Fisher. Chris Fisher is here. He may know more about sharks than anybody alive. This year, the scientists have returned to Cape Cod. We're on board and are anchored less than a kilometer from shore. One is quick to take the bait. He's on it hard. He just ate it. Just ate it. Going away from it. Hooking up is only the start. Good morning, guys. The public has been fascinated by sharks for thousands of years, since long before Jaws. But for all the interest, there's been a stunning lack of information. We spent time with the people who say they're trying to put facts behind the fear. Welcome back, everybody. My guest tonight is a shark researcher. You never want to hear him say, will you be my chum? Please welcome Chris Fisher. Mr. Fisher, Dr. Fisher? Chris. Chris. Wrestling a great white shark out of the water, it is an unconventional and risky way to tag and track these animals. But that risk is paying off, teaching us more than we have ever known before. Learn about great white sharks by catching them and then tagging them with GPS trackers. It is one great story. Two of the group's founders are here to update us on their historic research of Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Jeff Glory is also with us. Jeff, good morning. Charlie, Nora, good morning to you. We were there for the spot tag and release of a white shark, and since our last report, O-Search caught and released another. We're all just so focused on the health of the shark, and, and you know, we, we all work together so well as a team. And really, uh, bringing world-class fishermen together with world-class science and pioneering new methods that have never been done before. If you'd like us to come down and help, we'll come in a minute. 
receptionist, Chris Fisher from O-Search. O-C-E-A-R-C-H. We'll be right back. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Fisher. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I tell you what, you all are inspiring people. It is amazing to see what you all are accomplishing together and as individuals. I want to thank everyone at Skills USA for allowing me to be here. Everyone from Caterpillar for bringing me here. And I think the easiest way for me to help you understand what we've had to go through to achieve so many things that were once said to be impossible is to tell you a little bit about my background and where I come from and the story it took to get there. I am a Kentucky boy. Where's my Kentucky people up there? I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, where you guys are heading next year. In fact, my brother's the mayor of Louisville, so if you get any trouble, give me a call. But I fell in love with the water in Kentucky. I chased fish and frogs around the farm ponds and the creeks and rivers of Kentucky and really found a lot of peace there. It was a place that I went to every day after school and fished until dark. And my parents were amazing. They, they allowed the outdoors to come into my life. And they always made the outdoors really, really accessible. One day when they picked me up at the end of fourth grade and we got back the day before fifth grade started, we went to Alaska. We went fishing. I loved it there. Give me a shout out from my Alaskan people. And so I fell in love and I had this passion for the outdoors and my parents really made that accessible. But also I grew up in a really entrepreneurial household. An entrepreneurial household, I suspect many of you all out there are living in or it will be a household that you create as you grow up. And a lot of my life lessons came from the dinner table in that household. And a lot of what got us through the challenges we faced, I learned at that dinner table. My father used to talk about the biggest room in the world. Now, this is a pretty big room. Do any of you all out there know what the biggest room in the world is? Just shout it out. Does anybody know what the biggest room in the world is? Oh, I've heard nature. Yeah, that's a big place, but it's not really the biggest place in the world. Oh, yeah, the ocean is a big place, but it's not the biggest place in the world. All right, are you ready for this? I am going to tell you right now, and this is something you need to remember the rest of your life, what the biggest room in the world is. Are you ready? It is the room for improvement. No matter how good you get at anything, the room for improvement never shrinks. So how are you going to live your life? How are you going to live your life? Are you going to live it with the disposition of never being satisfied, always reaching for more? The room for improvement never shrinks. Even if you set out to achieve something that was thought to be impossible, once you get there, are you going to stop? Or are you going to live in the room for improvement and reach for more? Reach for things you probably couldn't even see before you arrived at what was said to be impossible. So this entrepreneurial family I grew up in, we started a business when we were kids with our father in a garage. And we built this business. We made self-serve beverage equipment for Coke and Pepsi. A lot of you guys get, you know, big gulps now. When I was a kid, that didn't exist. 
And I thought I was going to work there the rest of my life. I went to school, I studied to support that, to, to help the family business. And I came home one day, and I was 29 years old, and my brothers told me it was over. They sold the business. I was 29 years old, and I had no idea what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I, I, I really had no immediate inspiration, so I thought back, like, where can I go to maybe find some direction, find a trajectory? You know what I did? I went fishing. That was the place I found peace. So I went fishing, and uh, things had changed, you know. I had a wife and children, a child. We gave her a bath and a bucket every night. It's little Sarah, she's nine now. But you know, I would came home from that time on the water and I would talk to people and I would talk to them and I would say, man, we saw these amazing things on the water. We saw these scary things on the water and people were totally disconnected at whatever, let's go have dinner. And I decided at that time, I was 29, I said, I, I'm gonna pour the world's oceans into people's lives so they can develop their own relationship with the ocean. Be aware of what is going on. After all, if people aren't aware at scale, how are we going to impact the future of our ocean and the impact of our planet? So when you are running the world, there is a robust research that, uh, resource there. So that's what I did. I set out and I started this fishing show. It was on ESPN on Saturday morning. We went fishing and free diving. My whole family just tried to allow the ocean to flow through us to viewers. You know, but I wanted to make an impact, a greater impact. And I started to see that the power of practical knowledge, the power of the school of hard knocks, the power of experience of professional fishermen and mariners on the water. And I started to understand that they didn't know a lot about what we were catching. And we started helping these scientists. I said, maybe I can bring this practical world together with the academic world and figure out puzzles on the ocean that no one had ever solved before. So I started helping these guys who studied sailfish, you know, and we, we started tagging them because believe it or not, we didn't even know where our sailfish were spawning. We didn't know where they were traveling. And so we started tagging them to track them. And one of these guys who studied billfish, he held up a tag to me and he said, it's the same size as the one that was there, it's a little bit different. That's a sailfish. We started to solve the puzzle of the sailfish. He held up a tag and he said, you know, if we could get this on our giant sharks, we could potentially make a global impact on the future of the planet. And my jaw dropped. I was like, wow, that's a crazy thing to say. A global impact on the future of the planet. And I was like, so sharks, sharks, what's the big deal about sharks? Aren't there plenty of sharks? I began to learn that our sharks are mostly threatened and likely to become endangered. I was like, wow, really? Why are we losing our sharks? Are we losing that many sharks? Guy looks at me and he says, 250,000 sharks will die today. 100 million sharks will die this year. I'm like, wow, that is crazy. What, is there 100 million of anything being killed in the ocean? I couldn't believe the numbers. And I said, well, you know what, does it really matter? You know, does it really matter if we lose our sharks? And he started to talk about things like the disruption of the ecosystem. He started talking about things like, if we lose the sharks in the open ocean, our squid are gonna explode like locusts and they're gonna eat all of the little fry out there and we're gonna end up with an 
empty ocean. If we remove them from the reef, the, little, the second tier predators are going to eat the fish that maintain the reef. And we're going to lose our reefs and we're seeing that today. So we're going to have this entire ecosystem disruption if we lose our sharks. And I said, well, you know, why, what's this big problem? It's like, well, our sharks have this radical perception problem. You know, they need a new PR agent. Everyone is afraid of sharks. Sorry, the clicker's going crazy on me. Sharks need a new PR agent, man. Everyone's afraid of them. You know what I started to realize? It was the fear of the unknown. We know so little about our giant things that movies and books could leverage that for fear. And so I thought to myself, huh, we're all afraid of them, but what's the real reality? 250,000 sharks are gonna die today. 250,000 sharks are gonna die tomorrow. Like, that's crazy. And I was like, well, it must be hugely important. If we're killing 250,000 sharks a day, it must be for an unbelievably important reason. Turns out, it's for a bowl of soup. A bowl of soup. I'm like, really, we're gonna compromise the future of the ocean for a bowl of soup? That just did not pass the common sense test to me. So I set out on a mission to try to make a global impact on what was going on with our sharks. And I was gonna do it by helping scientists learn about things they've never been able to learn about so we could impact the future of our sharks and help them recover. But I was gonna need a special vessel to do that. And I, uh, I thought back to that dinner table and my dad used to talk about the opportunity bus. And every single one of you, at a couple of times in your life, you never know when it's gonna happen. The opportunity bus is gonna pull up in front of you and it's gonna park and it's gonna open the door. And you're gonna stand there and you're gonna go, hmm, I wonder if I should get on that bus or not. The one thing you gotta remember about the opportunity bus it doesn't come back around the corner most of the time. So are you gonna be able to see these opportunities in your lives? Are you gonna have the courage to stretch, to reach, to get on the opportunity bus? I was down in Costa Rica fishing, making a show, and I knew we had to do more. And I came into this bay, and this boat was in the bay. And it had this huge lift off the side of it. And I was like, wow, there's a ship that we could do some things that will stretch us. And somebody told me, hey, I think the guy who owns that ship, it's for sale. He's trying to unload it. And if someone kind of, you know, gives him the right deal, he'll dump it. I'm like, man, that's way out of my league. I met the guy, told him what I wanted to do. He said, I'll sell it to you for X. I looked around real quick and I counted about four X. And I said, he got out a piece of paper and I bought the boat on a piece of paper and I figured out how to make it work later. But the opportunity bus had come around. And now I thought, maybe we can help these scientists on these giant creatures with this giant lift. We can pick 50,000 pounds up out of the ocean with one degree of list. So always remember the opportunity bus is going to come around a few times in your life. And don't expect it to return and stretch yourself to have the courage to jump on that bus when it comes by. Now, we had to have the right group of people. I'm getting ready right now to show you a clip from the very first time we attempted to go out and capture a 4,000 pound white shark 
for the brightest group of scientists we were working with at the time. Now, when I show this clip from 2007, I just remember fear. The fear of heading out with a group of men and women to do something that has never been done before. The fear of the unknown, of not knowing what was going to happen. And I thought back to the dinner table. I was like, what, what did dad and mom say about facing an insurmountable challenge? Facing the impossible. This has never been done before. It's impossible. You know what they said? They said, don't be overwhelmed by the scale of the challenge you're trying to overcome. Just keep inching forward because an inch is a cinch. A yard is very hard. If you just keep inching forward, soon standing before you is the impossible and you bit it off a chunk at a time. So we headed out to do what was said to be impossible and this is what happened. Jump past it. Now he's coming in. Stop, you guys. No, let go. Slack, slack. Up, up. And when that lift goes in the water, we're exposed. Roll him over if you can. How's this going to end? I have no idea. Start moving. Everybody up. What we can do is help the smartest people in the world catch things they have no chance of getting without us. So we did it. We brought the practical world and the academic world together. We did it. I mean, we did it. I remember, I remember when we were there, you know, the first couple of sharks. Unfortunately, when you go to capture great white sharks, you know, in, in the ocean, the females are the dominant species most of the, the dominant sex most of the time. Yeah, 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 that's the way it is. You know, they're bigger, they're stronger, they're dominant. So we come in to try to do something that's never been done before. And I remember rolling in there and I'm like, man, I hope a couple little ones come in first so we can try to get our hands around this. And lo and behold, there was a couple of smaller males there, but the big females came in and, and, and suddenly I'm looking down, here's this shark, we, we, this first shark, it destroyed everything we, everything we had, the biggest tackle in the world, 4,000 pound cable. I remember, I remember the frustration of, of, of laying in bed at night saying like, is this possible? But we, we persevered, tenacity. Never underestimate the value of stamina and tenacity. My dad used to call it stenacity. If you have stenacity, you will, you will succeed at anything you do. And once we got this tag on the top of that shark's fin, we knew that every time it stuck that fin out of the water for five years, we were going to watch history unfold. It was going to tell us where and when they were breeding, where and when they were giving birth. And that was something that we could leverage to affect the future of the ocean because the sharks, they are the lions of the ocean. They are the great balance keepers. And we were gonna crack the code on looking after their future, but we had to find a way, number one, to pay for it, and number two, to make sure that we weren't the tree in the forest that no one heard. Because I'm about impact. Impact, we can't just do these things just to do them, we have to then leverage them. So I went to National Geographic and I was lucky enough to sell three years of television 
It helped us build our brand in 178 countries in 12 years. We were finding an entrepreneurial way to do something great for the planet. We sold the television to them, took about half the budget and funded the research, and the other half, we made the show. So we ran through three years on the National Geographic Channel, and then we evolved over to the History Channel. And the History Channel was a lot more kind of intense. The show was growing. They wanted more drama. And this is when our relationship with Caterpillar began. It began down in Africa because I had bought the ship and the, and the equipment in the engine room was old. And I had told the History Channel we were going to go down in Africa for the largest white shark research project in history. But we weren't going to make it. The gear was just too old. And Caterpillar came in and gave us a new engine room without even a piece of paper. And they said, go do good. We like what you're doing. Just Go do good. Unbelievable, right? I mean, unbelievable. So we roll down to Africa. It's the biggest white shark research project in history. We put 2.7 million into the science. And this is what happened when we were down in Africa. This is the open of the show. on the other side of the world. In some of the most treacherous waters on Earth. Here we go, hold on. A team of American fishermen are stalking the planet's most notorious killer. Great White Shark. Their mission? Watch out, Brett! Hand catch, GPS tag and track, a record number of Great Whites. To decode the mystery of the Predator's hunting and breeding grounds and how close they swim to shore. Risking it all, these brave fishermen get closer to the sharks than anyone else dares. Go in, Brent. You're going in. Leaping from our world into theirs. Out of the water. Pick it up. Big swell, Brent. Coming, big swell. They battle face to face to save man from shark. Here goes the tail. And shark from man. Pull it up, pull it up, pull it up! So it got pretty intense down there in South Africa. It was intense. We were on the water for 90 days. 90 days, we tagged 40 great white sharks. 40 great white sharks. You know, so that's interesting, but so what, right? Unless you do something with that. What are you going to do with that? Were we able to bring people together? You know, normally in the research world, one institution, one guy or girl trying to study, get ahead of the rest, get the next grant, not really collaborating, putting the ocean first. Hmm, but we were the only place in the world you could stand next to a giant great white shark. Maybe we should disrupt the institutional approach to research and force a collaborative ocean first 
Shark First research program. Maybe we should change the way it used to be. Make a new way, a way that is planet first, resource first. And so we said, hey, if you guys want to come, you're all invited. But everyone's invited, all the smart men and women from all the institutions, because we're going to maximize the leap forward. No longer are we going to catch a shark and do one research project on it. We're going to do 12, because after all, right, the biggest room in the world is the room for... The biggest room in the world is the room for... So even though it was impossible to put a spot tag, one little science project on a shark, once we did that, we could do more, right? Because we're always reaching for more. We're always trying to leverage what was impossible to do something that we didn't even have the capacity to see before. So we began to develop an expertise and a trust with the research community and build these massive collaborative teams. We started to bring all of the scientists together and they started to see the puzzle different. They all had different parts of the puzzle. And they started sharing and they started getting excited because the puzzle came together. What happens when the puzzle comes together? We can affect its future. So we did that. So now we got this information, right? We got unprecedented amount of papers coming out. All these scientists, that's great, but so what? What are we gonna do with that? How are we gonna leverage that? So what it is all about? It's really in the end all about policy. It's really in the end about leveraging what you've learned to then do something to change the future. When we went down to South Africa, they knew some about the movements of their sharks, but they weren't really sure where they were going. And they had $50 million a year of tourism coming in. We went down there, we tagged the sharks, and just two years later, it went from a map with limited tracks on it to a map that had what I hope you're getting ready to see. We define the range of the mature male white shark, the mature female shark, the juvenile range. That's what we learned in two years. When we went down there to do this, they said, that's impossible. That's impossible. Nobody's gonna be able to capture a 4,000 pound animal for scientists, keep it alive for 15 minutes, execute research projects that scientists had only dreamed of and then let it go alive and track them. But it was happening and every day we learn more and now we have data to leverage now we know where the white sharks are being killed now we know where to leverage enforcement now we know that madagascar mozambique and south africa have to collaborate if we're going to look after the future of the south african white shark that's real progress and then we started to see in other parts of the world like our people over here in massachusetts where are you all at oh yeah people in Massachusetts, we started to see that we had some white sharks off your beaches up there. See the seal on the beach and the white shark patrolling? I'm sorry, there's a big lag here. So we decided, how can we help the people in Massachusetts? We got some world-class scientists and they had some tracks. They kind of knew some general ideas, but not a whole lot. I mean, the map was pretty bare on what they understood and knew about their white sharks. And so we decided to go help Massachusetts. And we rolled up to Massachusetts, and at that time, we had lost our TV gig. And I thought, oh wow, we did a year on the History Channel. We'd done well, you know, we'd driven about $20 million in, in revenue, and we put about 10 million of it into research. We'd achieved what was impossible. We'd built a global brand. We had started to affect policy. 
but the vehicle that we were leveraging to fund it wasn't quite as stable as we needed for a generational mission. So even though we had no idea what was going to happen, we went to Cape Cod. I saved, it was the last of my own cash. <laughs> Massachusetts rocking the house. We went out to Cape Cod and we decided we would try to help them. And here's what happened when we were in Cape Cod. This is a video of capturing a shark named Betsy. Right here, coming up in the center of the slick. Okay. Go, go, come on, go. He's going away, he's going away, he's going away. Yeah, we're hooked up. Let it go now, let it go. Yeah, I know. Yeah, this is what it's all about, I'll tell you right now. I know I'm acting calm, but inside I'm going off. I'm going, I'm, 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 yin, 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 yin. going backward. It's like being at a stoplight for two and a half hours and then suddenly have it go green. Oh, Watch that coils. Let's hope the team's got their act together because you kind of sit around doing, you know, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, and then when it happens, it's like, woo. I can't hold him. Hold him, Todd. Right, right, right. right. You got to go, bro. You got to go. Contender, contender, O Surge. Pick me up, Chris. We're good. Things have settled down here. We got, we got two buoys on about a 13-foot shark, and we're in good shape. We're walking back to the ship right now. All right. Be safe. Uh, we're standing by. Well, that's pretty cool. All right. That's good, bud. We're going to be applying an acoustic tag, so whenever the shark swims near the receivers near shore, we'll be able to pick it up. Uh, satellite tag on the top of the fin is obviously tells us where the shark goes on the shark tracker. Uh, the accelerometer, this tag here, gives us the fine scale movements of the shark. Every single tail beat changes in pitch and roll. Uh, just getting some tubes ready to take samples, uh, either parasites or fin clips uh, for genetics. And um, let's hope that at the end of this day, all these tubes are filled. Everybody just do your job. Do your job. For me, get on board, do the surgery. You're going to assist. You go right to the blood. You all shortening up now? Yep. Do your job, then I'll step back, you step back, and if anyone freaks out, it'll probably be me. What do I do next? What do I do next? All right, I'm going to turn the stern now. Going to bang the lift. We're going to hit the lift. Dump line, dump line, dump line. Up, up, up. Woo. Female. It's a big, what, juvenile female, maybe. Yep, start in. Make sure you, when you, once you get your first sample, you call it out. Okay. Getting anywhere? I got up like a centimeter. Of blood? Yeah. That's okay, we'll take what we can get. Not much of anything right now. She does not look to be pregnant. Yes. All right. How you doing on your stitches there, Greg? One more and I'm done. And the internal tag is in, right? Right. Come on. 
You in? Heather. Oh, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Keep going. Fill that sucker right up. Get more. All right, can I have another syringe, please? Nice work, Heather. We're almost there with the spot tag. Here. Okay, spot tag's done. Okay, let's call out the yep. total length. Stretch it out. Total length is 12 feet, I'm gonna go 7 in. inches. All right, 12 feet, 7 inches. We got good flow, huh, Dr. Heater? Everything's outstanding. All right, that's the final. Everybody else off. Give it a quick rinse, Heather. Okay, everybody off the deck. All right, this shark right here. This is Betsy, and she is our first shark off Cape Cod in 2013 and will be the first shark in our new digital education hub. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Kick out into the current. There she goes. Good luck, old girl. All right, well, we're on the board in Cape Cod. Well done, dude. Yes, we released Betsy. We released Betsy. We've released five great white sharks in the North Atlantic now. And we went from having no tracking to having this tracking in just 18 months. Once said to be impossible, we now know where our giant female great white sharks are going that's summer in Cape Cod. You know what? Who's here from the Southeast? The Carolinas, Georgia, Northern Florida? Yeah, give me a shout out. It turns out where you live is extremely important to our Atlantic great white shark. They are living down there off your beaches. Our juveniles are living off the beaches of Florida. We got two sharks in the Gulf of Mexico right now. They are cruising around. And you know, I started to see like, wow, this is so compelling and so interesting. Maybe we should share it with the world because you know, I think maybe the fact that we have got all of these individuals on a common mission with a selfless disposition achieving the impossible, I think that could be inspiring to people. A common vision with a selfless disposition when you pass through life and you're working and managing with teams and part of a team and leading a team, if you can create a common mission and a selfless disposition, the impossible is possible over and over. It becomes easy. It becomes so easy. You know why? No one's thinking about themselves. No one's thinking about their angle. A common vision and a selfless disposition is overwhelmingly powerful. And if we can do that with the people we work with, I thought to myself, man, what would happen if we included the whole world on a common vision with a selfless disposition? What would happen if we just gave it all away? If we just gave it all away? So we started the Global Shark Tracker. We decided to let the whole world track these great white sharks at the same time as our scientists and our PhDs. And it became something that was powerful beyond what I ever expected. For the first time on a white shark in the North Atlantic, we've been able to put a real-time satellite tag on one of these fish. And in this case, it's Jeannie. What happens with this tag is anytime she comes to the surface, it transmits a ping to a satellite which picks it up, relays it back to us, and we can actually track her movements on the shark tracker. So Jeannie, when we tagged her right up here off of Monomoy, moved almost 40 miles south 
to this area we call Nantucket Shoals, which is just east of Nantucket Island. I didn't know white sharks spent any time on Nantucket Shoals, and here she is, boom, right there. That's the beauty of the new, the new technology. How many of you ladies out there recognize Joshua Morrow? Uh, no, not that many. He's a soap star. The ladies seem to go crazy over the guy. I've never seen his work, but he loves sharks. I love people who are willing to leverage their brand to selflessly do something great for the planet. And I will surround myself with those people over and over again. You can track all of our great white sharks at osearch.org. There's a free Osearch app on your Droid, on your iPhone. Welcome to the Osearch movement. We will take a charismatic research project and we will turn it into a global ocean movement. Because if we don't, there will be no fish sandwiches for our great grandchildren. There will not be. We will turn it around, the ocean will recover, and we will remember the day that we selflessly came together with a common vision to save our sharks. When we put the tracker out there and everyone piled in on their phones and everything else, the students went crazy for it. Students started tracking all the sharks. I mean, come on, kids, sharks and dinosaurs, right? So we decided that we would start really engaging with schools. And this is a, a little bit of time. We, we led an expedition in the Galapagos Islands in January of this year where we tagged a little over 60 animals. And I always like to visit the schools when we're on the water. One of the things that's most in danger in our oceans today is our sharks. Most people are afraid of sharks, but the reality is they need to be afraid of us. Why? For a bowl of soup. Do we really want to trade the future of the ocean for a bowl of soup? Entonces lo que pregunta es, ¿realmente queremos hipotecar el futuro del océano por un plato de sopa? So I set out to try to bring this project into the world and help save the sharks. Entonces hasta hoy... So I walked into this teacher's classroom one day and she had taken the global shark tracker and she had maps all over the walls. She had drawings of sharks. She had leveraged the real-time dynamic nature of the shark tracker and created an educational curriculum around it for math, for geography, sciences. I thought to myself, wow, this is unbelievable. I said, can I bum this idea from you? Because after all, I know we've figured out how to put the tag on the shark and that was impossible. We disrupted the institutional approach to research to max out what we learned with every shark we touched. So therefore needing to catch less to solve the puzzle. We'd given it away and created radical inclusion. Public safety officials were starting to leverage it for public safety, but we could do more, right? Because the biggest room in the world is the room for... So let's go out and find another sustainably oriented company that wants to write a full K through 12 STEM based educational curriculum and integrate it into the real time dynamic tracker and tracking of the sharks and let's make math cool again. It's way cooler to track Catherine from Key West to Tampa than Bob got on a train in Philly. Two hours later, Bob got off the train in DC. How fast did the train go? Real time education leveraging the dynamic data set created by a shark the day before for a full K through 12 STEM based educational curriculum free for the world free because we give it away inclusion is inspiring inclusion inclusion is inspiring give me a shout out for that Kentucky inclusion is inspiring 
So many of these things come from the dinner table. I began to just feel as we got to give it all away. And the whole breakthrough was when we were no longer on television. We lost it. We went to Cape Cod. We gave it away. So many people covered our work that our scale was bigger off television by giving it away and integrating the brands into the content we gave the news and stories about sustainability and education and pioneering research with new technology and public safety. Caterpillar came in after that very last trip. I thought I lamed the shark on that trip, Mary Lee after my mother. Because I thought, <laughs> I got some family in the house over here. And uh, it's because I thought it was going to be the last shark I ever named. And uh, I went to Caterpillar and I just showed them what had happened. And they stepped up and they said, hey man, nine expeditions, three years, go do good through 2015. Save every shark you can in the planet. And I am just bringing a sustainably oriented company together with the practical knowledge of world-class mariners and the academic world to create data that had never happened before. And giving it away was incredibly powerful. It created great scale. Two billion people read stories about our work last year. And we leveraged that to create awareness about the ocean and its future. And you know what? We made it a good idea for the Fortune 50 to do something great for the planet and give it away. It was worth it. It was a new way forward. And it allowed us to put the ocean first and it allowed us to put the sharks first. And so I just want to say, you know, it's, it's about the kids after all in the end. We know that we can overcome any challenge, right? Because no matter how big it is, an inch, in a, an inch is a cinch, a yard is, an inch is a cinch, a yard is hard, right? No matter how big the challenge is, we are not going to be afraid to even begin. We're not going to be overwhelmed by it and just not even try. We're going to approach it with tenacity. We're going to never give up. We're going to inch forward and suddenly the impossible will be before us. And then when we get there, we're going to do more, right? Because once we get that done, we're not going to pause there. Because the biggest room in the world is the room for... The biggest room in the world is the room for improvement, right? Like everybody knows that. So we're never satisfied. We're always reaching for more. No matter how good we get at anything. The room for improvement never shrinks. The room for improvement never shrinks. Now all that put together, there was one thing that brought it all together at the dinner table from my mother and father. I cannot believe as a Kentucky boy here that used to run around chasing fish and frogs in the woods, that I'm talking to you about trying to make a global impact on the future of the ocean and the planet and give it away to create a massive ocean movement because it's going to take us all. Everyone is welcome. But what they said that put it all together that I want, you to, I want to depart with now and say to you is you must remember as you proceed through life and work with people that anything is possible if you do not care who gets the credit. Anything is possible if you do not care who gets the credit. I'm Chris Fisher. Thanks for having me. Still.